Hi, I'm Dr. John Newfeld. Is God good? See, here's a question. Is he good? Now, if everything's going well, you might say, you bet he's good. But how about when you're suffering? Is God good then? Stay tuned. You're going to find out more. It's important to face these realities because unless we do, we'll never know what to do next. It's my real joy to be joined today by uh, Pastor Tim Clausen. And if you haven't have watched this episode last week, you heard Pastor Tim tell the story of the death of his own wife and what that meant for him. Uh, pastor Tim is a pastor of a local church who began his present pastorate uh, while he was grieving the loss of his wife. Uh, he tells a story about finding that God is good in the middle of suffering. And that's a very important conversation to have. There are those people who, in the midst of suffering, shake their fist of God and become intensely bitter. How could you possibly have allowed this to happen? And then on the other hand, there are people who have the very different reaction. Pastor Tim is one of those people who have that different reaction, and you need to hear this. What he's about to say may just change how you think about God. Uh, Pastor Tim Clausen, I want to welcome you back to Truth and Life today. Um, you were with us a week ago, and you shared with us, um, I think, one of the most moving stories I've heard of the death of your wife, Virginia. You'd been married for 33 years and uh, watched her go through a struggle with cancer for nine months and then witnessed the death of your own wife even while you began a ministry. When we talked last, we really didn't have a chance to explore the, the whole issue of the goodness of God mm -hmm. and the reality of human suffering. Um, you and I, who have been in pastoral ministry for a long time, have met individuals who will say, I am embittered because of the significant loss that I felt in my own life. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, Pastor Tim, is because I see you not as an embittered man, but as a gracious man and a man who continues to follow after Christ and believes in the goodness of God. And there are people that might look at that and say, are you thinking deeply enough about this? Um, but you've come to a very different conclusion than those who are embittered by loss. How did you get to, where are you at today and how did you get there? Yeah. <clears throat> how did I get there is a great question. Um, I, th I think it was uh, a product, like not being jaded and not being bitter. Really, for me, if, as I analyze it, it's been a product of walking with God for a number of years and reflecting on what I believe to be true about the story of the world. And uh, I me we mentioned last time we were together, just the gospel of, of God or that story of God's goodness. Which, well, let's stop for a moment okay. and let's ask the question, what do you think to be true about the world? So I believe God created this world. I, be, I believe that originally when I look at the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, it shows that he created things good. And it, I think it shows that uh, it was humanity that messed things up. Our original parents, Adam and Eve, uh, said, you know, we know better than you do, God. We're going to do things our way. And that resulted in um, a separation from God. But it also resulted in the world being infected by <clears throat> their rebellion, which we refer to in religious terms as sin. 
And so because of that, brokenness is introduced into the world, uh, frustration, uh, the, you know, the, the ground doesn't work the way we want it to, but relationships don't work the way we want it to either. Uh, our bodies don't work the way they were originally designed to do, to be perfect and good. And so there's going to be good in the world. And we see people do good things, but there's going to be bad in the world. And there's going to be sickness and there's going to be death. That's the result of going our own way. And that's what I see in the world. Um, we see good things, we see horrendous things, and we see interruptions into our life like cancer that are not good, wasn't originally designed by God. And that's what, so I don't blame cancer on God. I blame it on the natural result of rebelling against God. Do you expect death? Do you expect suffering in your life? Absolutely. Yeah. I believe that's part of this mixture that we live in. Uh-huh. So the expectation of suffering, of evil, of sin and death, uh, it informs what you expect of this world. It seems to me that's very different than the person who approaches this world and say, I expect sweetness and light. Right. I expect roses along the pathway. And if God is God, I expect that all these things that should be taken care of so that when it doesn't turn out so well, I find my world coming crashing around my ears. You're telling a different story. Yeah. So I don't think God owes us anything. And as I read my Bible, I see grace and mercy, which by definition are not deserved. And so if I have the attitude for myself um, that like God deserves to, like I deserve a good life from God without any pain, affliction, suffering, while other places in the world, people are experiencing horrendous things. Um, to me, that's just not a reasonable expectation. Okay. So if we expect and anticipate suffering, which we know the scripture talks about that, and also for Christians. Mm -hmm. So Christians are not exempt. You come and you say, Lord, I surrender my life into your hands. Yeah. And uh, we surrender our own life choices for the, the choices of Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, at that juncture, you don't say to yourself, well, ha, I've finally licked the suffering bit. It no longer applies to me. You're not saying that, are you? No, I think... Um and it's not that God isn't good. It's not that I don't expect good things from God. I think we do. Um, but the greater good in this life are things like righteousness, peace, and joy. You know, that's what the kingdom of God is really about. And uh, we do know that there is a time when the yearnings of our heart for a world that's perfect is going to be experienced, where there'll be no suffering, there will be no sickness and, and pain and those kind of things. But that's not for this life. That's for the life to come when Jesus returns, he fixes everything. But in the meantime, we've got to, we've got to be okay with living, living in a mixture and doing that well. So you were talking about an expectation and the expectation, hope, faith. I mean, those kind of words are future words. And we anticipate that there are promises of God that are going to be fulfilled. Yes. But we also anticipate that on the way to those promises, uh, you know, Paul says these momentary light afflictions are earning for us an eternal weight in glory. Yeah. I don't think he means to say that when we experience affliction, it's light. He's saying that in comparison to what is coming, so let's 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 talk about that because you anticipate a glorious future but you may be walking through a very dry and barren valley today and that is your anticipation of your experience of faith. Yeah. Well, when um, when suffering then occurs, how does the person with that worldview 
that understanding of God. Mm-hmm. How do you encounter that? How do you find solace when you're walking through that dry and barren land? Well, it's not that you uh, ignore it, or I think it'd be wrong to say that it doesn't exist. I mean, if you read the Psalms in the Bible and you see how real the writer is with God about their pain or suffering or whatever they're going through, their their hope not realized. And so I think it's how you go about it is to turn it to God and just be real with him and say, you know, my expectation, my hope is still for good, even in this life, but I'm trusting you. I'm going to turn it over to you. And then a a big piece for me is to realize that God is not oblivious to my suffering. Um, In fact, he he sent his son. um, And in his taking on humanity, uh, Jesus suffered in a way that I I will never be able to understand fully. And uh, the magnitude of it goes far beyond what I would would ever experience or, or any human being for that matter. Christ suffered. He suffered for us. But I want to speak about your suffering just before we get to that. I sure. do want to get to that part. Um, is there something redemptive in your own suffering? Yeah, I believe so. Um, I was thinking about this in a different conversation today I had with someone about critical moments in our lives. And so often the real critical moments in our lives are the difficult moments. And I think they become uh, um, catalysts, if you will, for good or for bad. Uh, In a bad sense, uh, when we experience difficulties or crises and out of uh, doubt and unbelief and hurt and pain and bitterness, we run away from God, that becomes a catalyst for the wrong thing. But if we turn to God in the most difficult times in our, you know, of our lives, I believe these become catalysts for God's greatest work in our lives to mold us, to shape us. Uh, we find out that we really do trust God or that we're willing to, no matter how hard it is. And, you know, it's like the, the Peter talks about the, the preciousness of our faith being tried by fire. It's in those times that beautiful things emerge to the, to the surface and the, the ugly stuff is sort of removed from us. Um, I think it produces beautiful things if we continue to trust. Peter says something that I've often contemplated. He was suffered in the body is done with sin, he says. Mm. Uh, have you thought about that and what that might mean? Not to the extent probably you have, John. Well, <laughs> but I think you have suffered in an extent that I have not. Mm. And there's something about the experience that you might have gone through through that. I mean, is, has it, it changed your, your understanding of how frivolous you might have been with sin that you might not be today? Well, one thing I think it, it has done in me is it, it has um, it's made my relationship with God so much deeper um, because because we stayed as a family, we chose to stay there. Like my daughters as well. I have three daughters. We chose we chose to stay there with God in that difficult place and not run away. And uh, just to declare that we're going to trust you in this. And um, I just think it's made it's made our relationship with each other deeper. But it's my relationship with God. Um, you know, it, it just went to places that it doesn't. In times when things are so good, it, you know how it is. It's so easy just to to God's there, but you know, um, we're not pressed to really uh, go deeper with Him. 
you know, Tim, we're going to come right back and we're going to keep talking about that as well as I think it's important for us to talk about the hope that you nourish in your own soul. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be right back here in Truth and Life today. So please don't leave and continue to join us with Pastor Tim Clausen, the meaning of suffering and also the hope that's set before us in Christ. You know, Pastor Tim, we need to talk about Jesus, and uh, we need to talk about what he gives to all of us Mm -hmm. who know the reality of living in a broken and a fallen and a sin-saturated world, sin-saturated bodies, sin-saturated relationships. Uh, Everything is affected with this, and yet there in the midst of all of that comes Jesus. Mm -hmm. And what does he offer us? Uh, everything. I mean, I've just come to to believe that, um, you know, when Jesus says, uh, I'll, I'll give you life and you'll have it more abundantly, that that's a, a present reality, but it's also a future reality that we can barely conceive of uh, in our in our finite minds. Now, now, Pastor Tim, I there's something that just comes tumbling out of your soul. Mm-hmm. I hear this. And there is, there is a living reality that I see in you, and that's the living reality. You seem to be living with a future reality today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, one of the things that I think came alive in me as my wife was dying was the reality of the resurrection. Because uh, it just, I realized that this is not the end. Um, my wife is going to die. Her body, you know, if, unless God heals her, uh, her body's shriveling away. And, but this is not the end of the story. And so it was really hard. But in the midst of that, that, that difficulty was still this hope that was still alive. And, and um, you know, she's more alive today than you and I are in my belief, if, if Scripture is right, which I believe it is. So um, that's, that's there in my thinking. So as Christ was raised from the dead, you have hope in the resurrection of your own wife and in your own resurrection as well. Yes. So however many years that we live on this, on this earth, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not that we, you know, finally get shift, shipped off to a nursing home and, you know, perhaps in mid-dementia we die, mm-hmm. um, but we are living eternally. Yes. So do you hope to see Virginia again? I do. Um, you know, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about, um, you know, one day we're going to get new bodies. And so I think about that as, a, as not only my wife, but as I, as a pastor, see other people's bodies, you know, start to, you know, break down on them as they get older. Um, in my own body, as you get older, you know, you have a little more aches and pains and things like that. But uh, I believe there's a whole... Um, restoration that's coming, which includes new bodies. And we'll be, everything in Christ is going to be united together. And so that includes family members who've gone ahead of us. It'll include my wife. Um, Jokingly, though, I say, I don't get why she won't be my wife in heaven. Um, You know, you're referring to Jesus saying there'll be no marrying and giving (laughs) in marriage in heaven. Exactly, when he talks to the Sadducees. But that's a whole other aside. Yeah, well, okay, but let's talk about that one thing you've talked about, and that is the resurrection of the body. Mm -hmm. Even the Old Testament, Job says, though worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I will see God. Yeah. So you have a hope, not just of some, you know, ethereal existence. No. But you have a hope of a 
a physical body living in a world with sights and sounds and smells and tastes and all that stuff. New heaven, new earth. It's going to be real. Yeah. Yeah. And so this, how do we know we get into that? I mean, I, you know, this is, this is a wonderful thing. Uh, we know there's a historical event that Jesus was raised from the dead. But where do you get a hope the kind that you have? Well, it, um, it comes out of Scripture. Uh, if Scripture is God's word to us, then it's, gonna, it's giving us the truth about what is and what is to come. And so there's, there's faith involved. You either believe it or you don't. Uh, it begins in the Scriptures with a belief in the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. If you don't believe in the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, you don't have a hope. But I believe in that. I believe Jesus lived in history. He died on a real cross. He rose from the dead in a, in a bodily resurrection and as the first fruits, that is of, you know, some, he, he's in a, in a resurrected body as we will be someday with him. And um, the proof of that is his resurrection. And so that, that gives me a hope to, to think about the future in a completely different way. Now, there's a phrase in the Bible, in Christ, mm-hmm. and it's used so often um, but it basically says that we share the same destiny as Christ. Yes. So how do we get to be in Christ? Well, if I'm talking to someone and they ask me that question, uh, you know, I would say you you have to turn um, from the way you're living your life outside of Christ. We, in, in biblical terms, it's the word repentance. So you need to turn and then you simply need to to place your faith and trust in him, that Jesus is who he said he was, that there's no way you can come before God without him. And so he becomes uh, your righteousness. His, it's what he did becomes yours because you place your complete trust in him. And then you just say, God, you know, live your life through me and be the Lord of my life. And uh, he does more than you can ask, think, or imagine. So... In terms of what he did for us, we're talking about the cross of Jesus where he dies on the cross to pay for our own sin debt so that it's ultimately taken care of and God is satisfied in Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. Yes. Um, You have all of that. I know that's what you preach. That's what you teach. But I think you've been called to live that in a unique way. And... You know, the, the church that you pastor, I, I know that you, you started in this church at a time, now I don't know, I, were you interviewing while your wife was dying? Yes, we were. And I mean, that's completely unusual. I told the church, I think you're crazy to keep talking to me, given what we've now discovered is happening in my wife. And uh, But they said, no, we feel we should keep talking. Uh-huh. So we were both willing to do that. Uh, we continued through the process while my wife was sick yeah. and, and getting sicker. And um, yeah, the so the church called me mm-hmm. and... Uh, I was supposed to start on the weekend that my wife died, actually. So, um, you know, naturally we didn't start at that time. Yeah. Um, we took a month, month and a half break, and then uh, I started after that. Uh-huh. As a minister of grace, as a minister of the mercy and kindness and the love of God, a God who has compassion on his children, um, I think there's a depth that is there in your ministry um, that perhaps some of us have not had because of your unique experiences. I think what I hear from you is that this, this, this hopefulness, this, I see joy in you, Tim, I see joy in you that you have there in spite of the fact that I know that you're a lover. I mean, you, you actually love that woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, 
this this robustness of faith that you find. Mm-hmm. Um, is that for anyone who hopes in Christ? Yeah. See, um, God's bigger. He's bigger than the biggest problem you and I could go through. He's more. He's more than the greatest love I've known on this earth <laughs> in my wife. His love is greater, deeper, bigger. And so though I, though I feel the loss every day yeah. of my wife, and I think about her every day, <gasps> I know a love that's greater <gasps> and that... God didn't owe me 40, 50 years with my wife. And I look back on every year as a gift because I lived in a relationship that a lot of people can't speak of. Um, I lived in a relationship with a woman that was truly a completely dedicated partner um, that we laughed, we cried together. Uh, I I was fortunate, I was privileged to share something so rich that some have, but not many. And so... um, I've got nothing but gratitude and um, it's, it's uh, God's love that keeps me going. Pastor Tim Clausen, it's a delight to speak to a man of faith uh, in Jesus Christ. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for also uh, telling us the basis where your hope is found. And, and I want to say to anyone who is wondering whether or not this can be for you, I do want to say that there is an invitation that's here. Christ offers a life which is truly life. We're not selling something that's not true. We're selling something that's genuinely true. In the midst of a world of suffering, Jesus Christ came, lived and died and rose again and offers us the greatest gift of all, the gift of eternal life. So I would invite you to join Pastor Tim Clausen and uh, come to Jesus and offer him your life and you will find the life that is truly life. Pastor Tim, thank you so much for being a part of Truth and Life today. May the Lord bless you. Thank you. I'm reading from Philippians chapter 3, and I'll start with verse 19. Uh, Paul is speaking about the enemies of the gospel, and he says, they are focused on earthly things. That is, their whole frame of reference is taken up in this earth and in this earth only. And then he adds this in verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glory, of his glorious body, I should say, by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Notice there's a way of viewing life that is fundamentally different. There's the individual who is this earthly focused and can't get beyond what happens. When good things happen, I might even thank God. When bad things happen, I might question God and say, I would like to call you to account and give evidence before me of your basic goodness. Everything that we conceive of goes no further than what I experience in this life. But Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven. That is, I belong to another place. I may be here right now, but there's a longing that I have that I've nurtured in my soul, and that longing just won't go away. In other places, Paul speaks of it as a foretaste of the glory that we're about to receive. In other words, we've caught a whiff of the thing now. I've caught a, an initial taste of something and it's awakened my, my sense of taste so that I'm not going to be satisfied until I get the whole thing. 
And, and what you saw in Pastor Tim is a man who is unsatisfied with simply remaining here. His longing is for another place. His hope is in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. His assurance is based on what Christ has done for him. There is an expectation that can be had, and that is we live in a world now which is subject to loss, subject to grief, subject to sin, and subject to death. And none of us are going to ever get away without suffering. Suffering is just a part of life. It will afflict you no matter how good or how bad you are. We're going to go through it. The question we're going to have to ask ourselves, what is the longing of my soul? If the best you can possibly hope for is to have a good life here and now, I'll promise you this, you will be desperately and deeply disappointed. But if the longing that you nurture in your soul is in another place, I long to see my Savior face to face. I long to see this celestial city. I long to see the place that God has prepared for me. I long to receive a resurrection body that will never die and that will never struggle with sin again. I long for that more than anything else. If that's the longing of your heart, I promise you this, this world will not disappoint. This world will only add to that sense of longing and your hunger for Christ will only grow and grow and grow. See, that's the invitation that I made. It's an invitation to come to the Lord Jesus. It's to say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know also that Christ died on the cross for my sins, and I'd like to receive his gift of forgiveness. Today, I turn from sin and from self. I renounce my own pathway in life, and I want to cling to you. See, if that's your prayer, I'm going to ask you, pray that prayer. Ask Christ to forgive you and give you an eternal home, and then get ready because your best days will then be before you and not behind you. That's a promise from the Word of God. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, and please make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more interviews, episodes, and Bible teaching content. Uh, Thanks for joining us today.